So if you ask me today, and like many of you, that will probably change from day to day or maybe year to year. If you ask me today what my favorite book in the Bible is, I would have to tell you Colossians and especially chapter one in, in Colossians. Uh, this chapter that Paul wrote to the saints in uh, um, I won't even say it right, Colossae, uh, uh, he wrote, is overflowing with the truth of Jesus Christ and great encouragement for us, the saints. Um, I'm going to read to you verses 9 through 14, and if you are familiar with the chapter at all, you might recognize that our confession of uh, who Jesus is um, came from verses 15 through 22. So I'm going to read for you uh, Colossians 1, 9 through 14. For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, to please Him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all power, according to His glorious might, for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. Verse 13 and 14 is what we're, where we're going to spend most of the time this morning. Um, so just want to give you that heads up while I read it. For He rescued us from the domain of darkness or the powers of darkness, and it transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins." And I told you we're going to spend most time on it, most of the time in verse 13. I've been intrigued by verse 13 for some time now. About a year ago in our men's study, we started going through Colossians, and I um, really, uh, really stood out to me. Um, we have been rescued from the powers of darkness. How did that occur? We have been delivered into the kingdom of the Son of His love. What is that kingdom that the passage speaks of? Um, I believe that if we can come to understand the truth in these verses, that it will be life-changing for us. My prayer is that you will hear what you need to hear this morning, either because of my words or in spite of my words, and, um, and that you will be changed. So the first thing I want to point out to you from this passage is uh, in verse 12, we can, we can see this. It makes it clear that God the Father is the one who has delivered us or, or uh, rescued us uh, from the powers of darkness. Uh, we will talk more about his plan in a few minutes, but let me say again, God the Father is the one who has delivered us. I believe that too often people look at Jesus as the loving person of God, and that's wonderful. He's full of grace, uh, full of mercy, full of love, but unfortunately they see God the Father as an angry being who is full of wrath and judgment. I want to give you a quick reminder this morning or, or point out in uh, verse 19 of, uh, of this uh, passage of chapter 1 tells us that the fullness of God dwelt in Jesus. We see in verse 15 that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. And Jesus told his disciples, and we can read it throughout the Gospels, that he and the Father are one. Do not be mistaken. Jesus is love and grace and mercy, and forgiveness. But God the Father is love, and grace, and mercy, and forgiveness as well. And, and it is His desire that all would be saved. If you ever doubt the love that the Father has for His children, I'd ask you to consider John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. 
And consider this passage. It shows us the Father loves us and He wants good for His children. He longs for the communion and the reconciliation of relationship uh, that, was, uh, that He designed when He created this earth. So in 13, um, verse 13 begins with the words, He has rescued us. Um, and the word rescue here suggests that we were in a, a situation of imminent danger. And if we uh, look throughout the, the history that unfolds throughout the Bible, uh, it confirms that the human race is very much so in danger. Pride and rebellion resulted in Satan being cast out of heaven, and he was given the earth as his domain. Because of his presence and man's free will, sin has polluted God's creation and destroyed the, cum the communion that God desired to have with his children. This world is the kingdom of darkness, and it is Satan's domain. Sin, sorrow, hatred, rebellion, perversion, death, and destruction rule. Ephesians 6.12 tells us that for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but is against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this world's darkness, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. 1 Peter 5 tells us our enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking to devour whomever he can. And in John, we read that he comes but to steal, kill, and destroy. We, being born into this world and sin, are in the devil's domain. We are under the power of darkness, and we are free game for him and his forces. And the Bible tells us who his forces are. They are the third of the angels that were cast out of heaven um, with their leader. Friends, on our own, we are absolutely uh, no match for the enemy or the power of darkness. There is no, and on our own, there is no escape from the kingdom of darkness or from the powers of darkness. Sin polluting this world has already resulted in struggles, pains, sickness, hurts, and ultimately physically death for each and every one of us. Without a rescue, we will suffer alone through all of these above-mentioned troubles. We will remain slaves to sin and temptation. And when this life is over, we have not only a physical death to look forward to, but, eternal, but an eternal spiritual death, total unending separation from God and the torment and pain of hell like we could never imagine. Are you encouraged yet? You will be. You will be. It's wonderful encouragement from God's Word. But on a side note, I've heard it questioned before, how could a good God send anyone to hell? My response to you this morning is a good and just God provides a way for all to be rescued from hell and from the power of darkness. I do hope you understand this morning your need for rescue. And if you have been rescued, then with me together we will praise the Father that he willed that we would be rescued from the power of darkness, and he made the rescue available to all who would accept. I talked about it as the will of the Father that we be, uh, um, that we be rescued, but the uh, rescue comes through the Son. Uh, verse 14, and who is the Son? It's Jesus Christ. Uh, verse 14 tells us that in Jesus, we have been redeemed. The word redeemed could be translated ransom. Through the work of Jesus on the cross, through his blood sacrifice, he paid the ransom to free us of the, from the powers of darkness um, by the power of his blood. I'm sorry. 
And I'm going to tell you something. You can, obviously, you can see this. I do a lot of reading. I wish I could just come up here and, and throw out the message, but I feel like God has given me words, and I want to make sure I share them with you specifically. So I'm reading. I wish I didn't have to, but I'm reading, and every once in a while I get a little messed up here. But let me say that again. Through the work of Jesus on the cross, through his blood sacrifice, he paid the ransom to free us from the power of darkness, and by the power of his blood, we have been reconciled to the Father. We go a little further in that, in that uh, chapter to verses 21 and 22. It says, And you who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he, speaking to Jesus, has reconciled you in the body of his flesh through death. And I want you to hear this. To present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his who is the Father's sight. And to that I say, thank you, Jesus. It is by the Father's will, but through the power of the blood of Jesus that he has reached down, grabbed us up out of our desperate condition, and rescued us from the power of darkness. Um, I want to quote Warren Wearsby had a comment to say about that rescue. And Warren Wearsby said, Jesus Christ did not release us from bondage only to have us wander aimlessly. He moved us into his own kingdom of light and made us victors over Satan's kingdom of darkness. So if we continue in verse 13, again, God the Father has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and uh, has conveyed us or brought us or delivered us. There's a couple different words that the translations use. Uh, brought us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. What is the kingdom? Well, that's a very easy one to answer, right? What is the kingdom? I got a short five-word answer for that. I'm kidding. No, the kingdom is a, uh, a very hard thing to define. I could not begin to fully explain it. It doesn't matter how much time I have, I'm not capable of it. My mind is not big enough to, first off, to comprehend it, and I surely uh, uh, can't share with you exactly what it means, but what I'm hoping this morning is that God has given me the right words to at least help us to get a grasp on what the kingdom is. So, now, one aspect of the kingdom is, uh, I think it's pretty easy for us to understand, is that promise of a future home where sin is no more and Jesus reigns supreme, uh, which, which is heaven, right? It's what we're all looking forward to and longing for. And Revelations 21.1 gives us a little picture of that. It says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there is no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them, and, he shall be, and they shall be his people. And God himself will be among them, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. That is a promise of the glorious hope for our future. And if we accepted the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ our Lord, I think you can agree that the, that portion of, of the kingdom is graspable. We can understand that portion. But there is a present-day kingdom that we have been in, con, uh, conveyed into for this life, which is a little bit harder to, to understand. Um. Jesus, and, and uh, when John the Baptist came on the scene, he said, uh, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. 
I noticed in the Gospels, they didn't explain what the kingdom of God was. Jesus uh, said a little bit more about the kingdom of God. He said the kingdom of God is here. He didn't have to explain uh, to these uh, people he was talking to what the kingdom was because they had already been prepped about the kingdom from the Old Testament. There's much talk about uh, the the kingdom in the Old Testament, and I want to read just a couple passages for you uh, that was prophesying this kingdom that people were awaiting for. And, um, And Daniel says, I kept looking in the night vision, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like the Son of Man was coming. And he came up to the Ancient of Days, and he was presented before him. And to him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom, that all the peoples, nations, and men of every language might serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away, and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. We look in Isaiah 9, 6, a passage that we should be very familiar with just going through the Christmas season. Uh, Another, again, prophesying the Messiah and his kingdom. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And there will be no no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom. There was much talk and prophecy about the, the kingdom of God that was, that was coming. Uh, many in Israel, though, were looking for, and they would have settled for a physical kingdom. And when Jesus appeared on the earth as, um, and uh, started his ministry, uh, many believed that he would bring an earthly kingdom, and he would free them from the oppression of the Romans. The uh, triumphal uh, entry into Jerusalem, which we can read about in the Gospels, which we often remember as Palm Sunday, was an event that many thought would usher in the new kingdom. They thought they were bringing in, ushering in their new earthly king. Um, But God had something much greater in mind. So Jesus did usher in a new kingdom. And it is so much more than an earthly physical kingdom. The kingdom of God is not a physical place. well, how do I know it's not a physical place? Because when, I, when we were rescued by God, it is an immediate deliverance. I am confident that I have been delivered by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ through the will of the Father, but I'm still here. My physical location did not change. This kingdom of God is a spiritual, eternal realm where God rules sovereign. The heavenly home that we are promised is a future aspect of the kingdom, but there is a portion that we can enjoy and benefit from today in this world. It is God's dominion where his presence is and his power and authority are available for his children through the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the present day picture, or for the present day kingdom, I get a picture in my mind of a deep, overwhelming darkness. And in the middle of that darkness is a bright light. Made me think of you, Bill Harrington, and your giant spotlight. But we got this bright light that's lighting up the darkness. Uh, it, is a, it is a light that is uh, uh, warm and, and it's uh, uh, a comfort to us um, in, the midst of the, uh, in the midst of this darkness. That light, the light is a sphere of hope and it is uh, uh, comfort and joy in the midst of that deep darkness. This kingdom that we have been placed in is a spiritual realm where understanding and wisdom, safety, and peace, and uh, hope, and comfort, and power, and authority, and strength supplied by God is available to us in the midst of confusion, pain, and sorrow, and the death of this world. 
I want to clarify for a minute, this does not mean a complete protection from the physical horrors of this world. There are too many godly people in this room now that are in the kingdom and can testify to the severe pain and heartbreak that they have had to endure. But this kingdom provides a spiritual security, which is the promise of a heavenly home by the grace of God, and it provides the presence and resources of God to carry us through the trials and struggles of this life. In this kingdom, we are no longer slaves to sin, but we are sons and daughters of God. If we look back at the passage again in Paul's prayer, we see that Paul, uh, what his prayer for the people were, that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power, for all patience and long suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints and the lights. These blessings that Paul prayed about is knowledge, wisdom, spiritual understanding, a worthy, pleasing, and fruitful life, strength, patience, long-suffering, and gratitude recorded here are present, are available in this kingdom. If they were not attainable, the words would not be recorded for our encouragement. This prayer contains but a taste of what the kingdom makes available to us. And let me suggest to you the fruits of the Spirit, which we see listed in Galatians 5, are also blessings and strength available to those in the kingdom. And what are they? They are love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Thank you. God's Word. God's Word. In verse 13 of the uh, King James Version, um, the, word is, uh, the word they use is conveyed. God has, has rescued us from the powers of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. I love that. I, I, I like that word, um, conveyed, because it helps me to conjure up a, a picture in my mind that helps me understand. Uh, when I was a teenager, which there's a group over here that believes I was never a teenager. I've always been old and grouchy, uh, but I was a teenager once, and I uh, uh, grew up working on a farm. Um, loved to bale hay. Um, that was back when the bales, you could pick them up by hand. You didn't need a machine. Uh, now everything's got to be moved by a machine, but we, we baled hay. We used a New Holland baler that, that picked up the hay and, or the straw, whatever you were working on, packed it up, and pushed it out of the back of the baler, and there was a, uh, uh, a conveyor on the back of that baler. There were two, two belts that uh, uh, ran that were just about far enough apart the bale could get up between them, and those conveyor belts were spinning fast. And when that bale of hay got pushed up in there, the belts would grab hold of them and whoo, gone. It would shoot them out. Um, we did things we shouldn't have. We used to aim that thing when people were in the wagon. I, I, would, I would aim that and accidentally hit the guy in the back. Accidentally. You can, it was cool. So I got a good picture. That word conveyed gives me a good picture. I see that bale being thrown out uh, away, away, not just kind of dropped down. I want you to keep that in mind. That bale was thrown out way far away from the machine. Just like that... Uh, <clears throat> Just like that baler, I'm going to take a minute here or a second and find where I am again. Um, just like that baler, 
I get a picture of God reaching down with his strong, loving, merciful arms, grabbing us up and conveying us or throwing us, throwing us out of the danger, right? And if we look at, if we can picture the kingdom of God like that sphere of light in the middle of the darkness, it's God throwing us lovingly and gently, of course, but throwing us in the middle of that sphere. He didn't just plop us on the edge of it, but he conveys us, he throws us into the middle of that sphere of light or that, that kingdom. Um, <clears throat> so I really feel like that's what he does. He throws us in the middle. I know some of us, and I'm guilty of this time this, at times too, some of us feel like we are living right on the edge, right on the edge. Well, let me suggest to you that is not where God placed us and that's not where he wants us. And if we are there, and you know what I mean by the edge, right here, if that sphere of light stops right here, we're standing right here on the darkness and everything in that darkness is right beside us. We're still in the kingdom, but, but we're, we're right next to the, the, the darkness. And if you're feeling that way, I'm going to suggest to you that it, we are there because uh, of either either because of our efforts, our own efforts, or because of our lack of effort. One reason that we're there on that edge is because uh, we love our, our spiritual security. We love the hope that we have of heaven, but there's a couple things on this earth, a couple things of the world we don't want to get rid of. Maybe it's an immoral relationship. Maybe it's an addiction. Something that is not pleasing to God that for some reason you're finding some temporary satisfaction or temporary pleasure in. And what you're doing, what you're doing is creeping back to the edge. There's some of us that have just been pulled back to that edge by the, like the gravitational pull of the darkness. Pulled us back. Why? Because we're not making any efforts. We're spending, there is no sign of gratitude in our life. We spend no time in worship. We spend no time in the Word. We spend no time in prayer. We spend no time uh, getting to know who God is or understand what His kingdom is. And we are uh, drawn back to a place that we should not be. Um, <clears throat> God delivered us. He conveyed us. I like that word. He threw us into the middle of that kingdom. He never intended for us just to be saved, but, but to enjoy the abundant life that Jesus promised for his people. What does this mean for us? What kind of application does this come with? I'm going to do my best to uh, try to explain uh, an application. So um, this might sound extreme to you, but I believe that every influence in this life is either from the darkness or the kingdom of God. If something or someone distracts you or draws you away from God, then you can conclude that is influence from the darkness. If something or someone directs or draws you uh, to God and His ways, then you can conclude that is an influence from the kingdom. I'm going to take this verse slightly out of context, but in 1 John, verse, uh, 1 John chapter 4.1, uh, John writes, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into this world. They're saying, in that same theme, I say, beloved, test every influence and see whether they are from God or from the darkness. Um, I'm, I want to give you a new name today, um, and we're going to use it here for the next few minutes. And if you don't like it, I apologize, but uh, I think it's a good descriptive name. If you have been rescued from the darkness 
And if you have been conveyed into the kingdom, you are now a kingdom dweller. That make sense to you? You are a kingdom dweller. As a kingdom dweller, you have wisdom and spiritual understanding available to you. Test the influences and discern where they are from and refuse to be deceived, misled, or distracted from the Lord. You do and you will face temptations daily. If you have never heard this before, I want you to hear me now. Kingdom dweller, you have power and authority over sin in your life through the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm going to say that again. You have power and authority over sin in your life through the blood of Jesus Christ. Temptation is not a sin. Acting on that temptation in a negative way is a sin. I want to encourage you to resist temptation. Temptation is from the darkness. Temptation is from the devil. James 4, 7 tells us to submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Not he might flee from you. He will flee from you. We will never be Jesus, but we are being made like him. And because we are kingdom dwellers, we have the same power available in our lives through the Holy Spirit that Jesus did as he walked this earth. Jesus resisted all temptation. We can, we must resist temptation. I want to share something personal from my life. For more years than I care to remember, I was plagued with perverse thoughts. I didn't know where they came from. I surely didn't want to act on them, and I don't think I was doing anything to bring those, uh, those thoughts into my mind. And I think it's because of being stuck in Colossians, but here within the last year, God revealed some wonderful truth to me, and, uh, um, and, and again, kind of revealed to me the blessing uh, that we have, a portion of the blessing that we have to be kingdom dwellers. Um, I realized that those thoughts were just a temptation. They're from the darkness. They're from the devil. They were there to discourage and, uh, um, and to bring me down. And the Lord didn't verbally speak to me. So forgive me if I uh, sound giving you that impression. He did not, I did not hear the voice booming from heaven. But it was a quiet reminder. Andy, that is not who you are. That's not who you want to be. You are a child of the Most High God. And you tell the spirit of perversion to be gone and leave you alone. And I want to praise the Lord right now. I did that. And I did it verbally. When they'd come up, I'd say, that's not who I am. That's not who I want to be. Be gone, spirit of perversion, and leave me alone. And after multiple times, it's gone. Praise the Lord. I don't have to deal with that ugliness anymore because that was from the powers of darkness. That was from the kingdom of darkness. And that is not who we are. Now, God released me from that, and I am, uh, um, I am so thankful that he did. So thankful for the power we have in his kingdom. Um, we cannot control the situations or temptations that we will face in this life. But because of Jesus, we can control the way we respond to them. I want to ask you, do you have a temptation or discouragement that is tormenting you today? You are a child of the Most High God. Resist it, and it will flee from you. This is a bold statement, and, but I don't think it's wrong. It's not something I've had to deal with, but I want to say it anyway. Do you have an addiction that will not release its hold on you? It is from the darkness, and the darkness no longer has power or authority in your life. 
with the power and authority you have in Jesus Christ, tell it to be gone. Will it work the first time? Probably not. But stand on the promises of God. Continue to resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Confusion, ignorance, discouragement, depravity, perversion, bitterness, unforgiveness, resentment, pride, selfishness, envy, timidity, greed, uncontrolled anger, hatred, lust, addiction. These are all words pertaining to the darkness. If you are a kingdom dweller, you need to know that they should no longer have power in your life. God has rescued you from the power of darkness and conveyed you into his kingdom. For you, he has exchanged understanding for confusion, wisdom for ignorance, joy for discouragement, righteousness for depravity and perversion, love for hatred, forgiveness for bitterness and unforgiveness and resentment, humility for pride, selfish, selflessness for selfishness. That's a little difficult to say. Contentment for envy and greed. Courage for timidity, self-control for rage and addiction, and purity for lust. My friends, if you have been rescued from the powers of darkness and conveyed into the kingdom of God through the will of the Father and by the blood of Jesus Christ, then stop listening to the lies and the schemes of the devil. Stop giving in to temptation. Stop allowing sin and the struggles of this world to hold you captive, steal your joy, and keep you from experiencing the abundant life that Jesus came to provide. Kingdom dwellers, you have been equipped with everything you need to live a life that is worthy of the Lord and fully pleasing to Him. Take full advantage of the wonderful blessings that God has made available to you. Let's pray. Lord, I thank You for Your Word. And I am going to trust this morning that Your Holy Spirit did His job and He taught us and revealed your truth to each one of us this morning. Lord, and again, I pray that you will change us. Your word does not come back void. Lord, so if you reveal it to us, we know we can trust that we will be changed by it. Lord, I pray that if there's people in this room right now that have no idea what I mean by a kingdom dweller, no idea what it means to be rescued or delivered, Lord, I pray that you would help them to understand Lord, I pray that no one would walk out of this place still being under the control, still being a slave to sin, still being under the power of darkness. Lord, it is a wonderful, wonderful thing that you have freed us from that. May we live a life of gratitude. May we live a life that is worthy and pleasing to you. And Lord, we just talked all about this. We can kind of sum it up in just a couple words. This is the hope we have in Jesus Christ. Thank you. Thank you, thank you for the hope we have in Jesus Christ. We pray this in his name, amen.